Welcome to the Two Acre Homestead Podcast. We're your host, Lisa. And Kevin. And on today's episode, this is a season finale for season five, and we are talking about endings and beginnings. Welcome to the Two Acre Homestead. Come along with us on our journey from a small suburban homestead lifestyle to our new lifestyle homesteading in the rural countryside of Southern Arizona. We'll share with you our tips, tricks, successes, and failures from both our past suburban lifestyle to our new rural lifestyle, all on the Two Acre Homestead. Welcome back. Glad to have you guys with us this week. We do apologize for last week. We did have to take a break because of all of the things that were going on last week. We needed to just step away from the mic and from social media. But if you do follow us on Instagram, you kind of know what this episode is going to be about already. But before we get into that, Kevin... What have you been up to recently? Just maintaining. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, we'll get into it in a a little bit here, but um, last week was a week. It was. Sometimes when you ask that, or many times when you ask that question, there's a project, there's this, that, and the other. Less, because of last week, it's just, yeah, just maintaining. Yes. So nothing much to report. Nothing Yeah. How about you? I'm sorry. I'm laughing because our dog, she's getting older and she just came in here and made this funny noise. And um, anyway, sorry if you could hear her making these strange noises in the background. She's just a little ridiculous. But um, this is an au naturel podcast, right? It is. Yeah. (laughs) I think she's snoring. Anyways. (laughs) This is not good. Anyway. Um, what have I been up to? I have, like you, just been in maintaining mode. Um, and I've been doing some preserving. But just like you, I've I've really just been trying to maintain things. Um, just keeping everything status quo, starting to turn my attention less to less on the gardens, even though um, you know, this is preserving season um but less on the maintaining of the gardens and more on just preserving and then also we have our oldest son is um going to be starting first grade this year so we're and we're homeschooling so i'm starting to get the curriculum together and so forth and so on so that's kind of been my main focus and we're going to tag team on that because math. Because math. Yeah. Or for you Brits, because math. So I think I said that before. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of what's been on my radar. Do you love seafood? I do. I was raised on seafood. My dad would deep sea fish every month. And as the years have gone by, I've struggled to find that same crisp, fresh-tasting seafood. 
that is until now. Wild Alaskan Company brings sustainably caught fish off the coast of Alaska straight to your door. You'll get things like rockfish, halibut, coho salmon, cold smoked salmon, and so much more. So head on over to wildalaskancompany.com and when you go to checkout, use the coupon code 2ACRE, that's T-W-O-A-C-R-E, for $25 off your first order. So again, that's wildalaskancompany.com and use the coupon code 2ACRE for $25 off your first order. And now, back to our podcast. Yeah, that's good. So now the topic, I think we were going to title this Endings and Beginnings. So do you want to get started on that? So this past week, almost two weeks now, two weeks ago, as of the recording of this, um, we have three goats on our property. Um, so we have, and they're Nigerian dwarf goats. Um, their names are Buttercup, Luna, and Minnie. And um, Buttercup, well, actually, let me go backwards. They, we had them, and then we sent them back to their original owners for a little bit. They came back, and when they came back to our property, Buttercup was pregnant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For a while there, we weren't sure if Luna was also pregnant. She was exposed, but apparently she didn't get pregnant. Right. But Buttercup got pregnant. Um, And And let me just, I think we, we mentioned this before, but we didn't know the exact date that she became pregnant, right? Right. So not to diss the people that oh, no, had we're, her, we're but friends with them. yeah, but we didn't know the exact date, which means we didn't know the date that she would kid. kid. Yeah. Because they, they run their homestead a little bit different from ours in that they let their animals breed whenever they want to breed. Um, and so they, they, run their goat herd where the males are always with the females. Um, So they kind of have a live and let live approach. We take a different approach. Um, Our intention was to breed them in November, December. And since it's a five month gestation period, that means they would be kidding or giving birth in April or May. And the reason behind that is um, that way they're kidding, they're giving birth when it's not so hot. And it's not so cold either. Um, so it's not, that's a perfect time of year for the goats because it's it's not that bad on the females and it's not that bad on the kids. Right, because even here we got snow, I believe it was March 1st. We had a day mm-hmm. where it didn't stay more than a day. But, you know, we did have some snow. It was pretty cold. It was, I think, 25 or so. We get cold here. We get into the teens overnight. Right. No, that's Fahrenheit. But yeah. Yeah. So 
that's kind of the backstory of what happened there. So fast forward, um, we kind of knew more or less when she would kid. And as the days got closer to her kidding, we were really monitoring. I mean, you could tell by her udders and we were monitoring that. And then we were also monitoring her ligaments, um, the ligaments between her tail and her body. The looser those are, the closer you are to, um, to birth. And so I think it was on a Friday, I felt her ligaments back back there and um, they were loosey-goosey mm-hmm. and um, really loose. And her udders looked like they grew by... I don't know how much, but they grew overnight and it was like, okay, she's getting, they call it a shine on the udders where it just, it can get really glossy. So we knew it was imminent. And mm-hmm. so we were keeping, you know, a close eye on close her. Eye, and I took some time to make a kidding stall. So that was right. set up um, in enough time. So, yep. Um, just in the nick of time, I think, you know, I had it pretty much done except for the, the door. And, um, so then fast forward to, so we were but basically the, was that the end of July, right? Yeah, it was the last day of July. I had to think about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. The last day of July. So, and it was Saturday and it was hot. Oh my goodness. It was hot. And, um, came out there, we were kind of on a, every two hour watch, with her. So every two hours we were going, you know, going out there into the barn. By this point, we knew something, we knew it was real close because just because of her behavior and the fact that she did not want to leave one section of the barn at all. And so we were like, okay, it, it, so we closed up the barn, um, you know, preventing the other goats from coming in. We closed it up and, um, we went out, I went out there just, just for the, one of the two hour checks and she already had everything kind of coming out and she was starting to push. I mean, her contractions were that close. And so I ran into the house, got all my stuff, let Kevin know, you know, let you know what's going on. You were watching the kids and, um, just as that was starting to happen, Nana and Tata show up. Mm-hmm. The timing couldn't have been better. Couldn't have been better so they could watch the kids while this right. happened. Exactly. So they were inside watching the kids and we were outside with Buttercup as she was birthing. I The, the timing of that was just, it was unreal. I, I can't even get over the timing of that. But because um, literally as she's starting to push. I think they were pulling in the driveway Nana and, and Tata I, were pulling yeah, I yeah. stepped away and I said, <laughs> don't want to be rude. Good to see you. She's having her baby. I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Kids are inside. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all excited anyway. So they were more excited about Nana and Tata being there than, than anything, you know, going on. So anyway, um, saw the, the nose and the hoof coming out and, um, the baby came, you know, right out. Um, so the first one that was born, his name, we named him Junior. All white, a few 
moon spots, I guess you could say. Um, but they're beige moon spots. It's really interesting. Um, but I think he's got only two spots and that's it. But otherwise he's all white. And we were nervous about him at first because he was not doing good at all. Um, he wouldn't take to the teat. And I mean, this is over a course of several hours. He wouldn't take to the teat. He wouldn't do anything. Um, and I could feel Buttercup getting frustrated with him because of that, because he wouldn't stand, he wouldn't do anything. And I could tell she was getting frustrated. She was trying to, you know, make him get up. But then we realized her frustration was more than just frustration. She was going into labor again. And um how soon after again? Like an hour after, but her birth her giving birth to the second buckling, that was what, three hours later? Mm-hmm. So and then at that point, I think you had stepped in the house for a few. I had to have a break. You from needed all the a break. Heat. It was hot. It was Ugh. let's say around one. To and it was like one hundred to one ten. Yeah. Yeah. And that's again Fahrenheit. But so at that point, I was actually in the barn. You were inside, um, and you had helped deliver Junior. So I'm out there and, you know, we had what we needed out there. And then I think I left my phone inside, but I had my watch. So I was able to send you a quick text and say, well, second one's coming. And then here she goes and she pops out half of the second kid. And I'm like, okay, here we go. (laughs) Just, you know, get in there and handled that warm mess and then realized he was breached. Yeah. He came out butt first. So, um, you came out and then he was out at already. You had just, he had just came out. Cause I, I could see you putting him down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Setting him down. So, yeah. So then what happened next? What happened next? I mean, she cleaned him up and he was spry and Mm -hmm. spunky and took to the teat right away. We were really worried about her because of the breach, but, um, you know, because he came out butt first and that, that's a lot on a female body, um, for the baby to come out like that. But she handled it like a champ. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is her second freshening. And she handled it well. Um, And you could tell right away, once the second buckling was born, she was okay. Um, She wasn't, you know, scratching at the, the, the floor. She wasn't, you know, like forcing them to get up. She was a little bit more back to her normal, mild mannered buttercup self. For a goat, she's very, very, very mild. So, um, you know, we wrestled with Junior for hours even after that, I think up until 8 o'clock, trying to get him on the teat, make sure he got all the colostrum that he needed. And I did wind up milking, um, some of taking some of the colostrum just as a backup in case. 
I'm glad I did. We'll get and, to that in a minute. Yeah, doing the bottle feeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, Sunday was, you know, we were really on. We were really on kid watch on Sunday. We were watching mom too, but you know, we were really worried about the kids because, and and when we say kids, we're talking about for those of you that don't know, goat baby goats can be called kids. Um, and she had two bucklings or two boys and, um, yeah, so we were really concerned about the bucklings, the kids, because we wanted to make sure that they were okay. Junior seemed like he was doing better. Um, spark was the second one. We named him spark and he was, I mean, just like, all over the place, you know, he was fine. Um, and we never had a concern about him, but junior was the one that we were the most worried about. Um, I checked her udders. They seemed fine. And so I didn't have a a concern about that. And I just made sure she was okay. Um, and then I figured in my mind, I was like, okay, well, you know what? We're just going to milk her Monday. So she gave birth Saturday, Sunday. I just wanted those kids on the teat. And um, then Monday morning comes and I come with all of, you know, my bucket and everything, you know, my little pail and everything to milk her. And I put my hands on her udder and her udder is flaming hot. And you could feel this, this mass on her teat. And I knew immediately at that moment in time on the left teat, she had mastitis. So, you know, quickly called the vet. We have a mobile vet. He came out. The soonest he could come was that evening. Um, so I tried to milk out as much as I could. And the milk that came from that teat was the consistency of yogurt. Um, it was really thick, really super thick. And so I just, um, tried to milk it out, tried to get it, get that teat nice and clear. Um, and then a few hours went by before I started really noticing that spark, he really liked that left teat and she really, or I'm not she, but, um, Junior liked the right teat, and it just seemed like they did not want to share a teat. But they had to, because what I did next, I thought was the wisest thing to do, and that was to close up that teat. So I taped up the teat, the left teat, the one with the mastitis, and proceeded to bottle feed Spark. Um, And we did that up until Wednesday. Wednesday he seemed spark. He seemed not himself. Um, and you know, don't know why he seemed just not himself. He wasn't as energetic in the meantime, junior is like bouncing, you know, bouncing off the walls. The one that we were the most concerned about, he was fine. Um, but now spark was the one who, wasn't doing so good. And so 
Thursday morning, we wake up to do animal chores and I go over there to the kidding stall and Spark is laying down. Junior was up and, you know, I went to open the door and mama tried to, you know, she buttercup tried to go in, but she couldn't because Spark was blocking the door and he wouldn't get up. So I kind of had to push Spark out of the way. And that's when I noticed he wasn't really moving at all. He wouldn't move. And he just seemed lethargic and and just something was wrong. So took him into the house because, again, we're dealing with unusual heat here in this area. Um, it's unusually hot. So took him into the house because I didn't want him to battle heat and whatever it was he was battling. Um, so I took him in and put him in our garden tub. From there, um, we contacted the vet. Um, or no, wait, we contacted the vet Friday, didn't we? So we tried to nurse him back to health um, all throughout Thursday. And Thursday you know, this, by this time it's like midday and I started doing some research and deeper research. And then I started figuring out that he must have floppy kid syndrome. Maybe he had too much milk. So I got him a teaspoon of baking soda and a teaspoon of water, mixed it, gave that to him. And literally when I did that, I could hear his stomach going, goo, 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 goo. So, and that seemed to, we waited a couple hours and that seemed to do something for him. Um, and so then I read that you can do a second dose if, if you feel it's really necessary. And because he was still, it just seemed like the first dose was good because it, it did something the the baking soda does something to their rumen, um, into the acid in their stomach. And so that seemed to help him. And then, um, but it seemed like it, it wasn't enough to help him. So I gave him a little bit more. His temperature was 100.4 Celsius. Was that Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's fine. (laughs) Not Celsius. Which that would be still in the normal range. It's a little low, but yeah. 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 So, you know, and that that was the other indicator to me that this, this might be floppy kid. So gave him the second dose and he still was the same. No change. If anything, he was beginning to get worse. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was the dose. Um, I don't think it was the amount of um, what I gave him. I think it was just, well, let me just continue with the story. So he just kept going downhill. So we contacted the vet again. Um it was Friday. And this is on Friday. Um, because the next day he... At, by this point, when we woke up Friday morning, it really scared me because... He basically was laying there, not moving a whole lot. He was paralyzed. Yeah. I mean, 
completely paralyzed. Like mm-hmm. his neck would just flop everywhere. You he had to, no control. Right. You try to pick him up and see if he could stand on his own and he would just slide down. Yeah. He would just fall down. It, it, Occasionally his neck would be cocked twisted, back and twisted. Yeah. Twisted backwards. And, and, and we were like, whoa, this is, this is not normal. And um, so the vet came out and he said, is this this looks like one of two things. It could be floppy kid, which he leaned more towards that. But he said it could also be botulism because the symptoms of the twisted neck and being paralyzed, um, le- you know, lets him think that it's botulism. However, no one else in the herd, no one else that's in the barn has had a problem. And, he even asked a question. He's like, cause he's been in our barn. He's like, and where would the botulism come from? Mm-hmm. And junior by that point was doing fine still. Yeah. And I mean, he is, he's a little tank right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> it is funny. Energetic. But yeah, he's an energetic little guy. So there's no botulism that's in the barn. So, you know, where would he have gotten it from? We don't know if that was the case. But um, then, you know, he just, the, the vet said, well, you could continue to try to nurse him back to health. Um, and so what I started doing is just giving him 10 milliliters of milk. And, and he still, there was just still the same amount of progress, just which was no progress at all. Nothing. Um. And then by Saturday, Saturday, he really declined on Saturday. And so Saturday, we made the hard choice, the hard decision that we had to put him down. Mm-hmm. Because he was not, whatever whatever it was, he crossed the point of no return. We almost had done that Friday but we both agreed. We both felt like let's give him another chance. Another day. And that's where, you know, we had called the vet and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the next day we both knew that was. Yeah. We, we knew he was in. What needed to happen. And, and yeah, he was, he was close to death. We knew he was in death throes and, um, you know, your, the body does certain things that, you know, like, it just does certain things. Mm-hmm. Just the, yeah, the indicators yeah. were there. The so, indicators were there, so we knew it was time. Yeah, we both agreed, and that's I took that step. So yeah, and I know that was so hard for you. Yeah, um, I, I was reflecting on that a little bit before we started recording, and I think we talked about in a previous episode when a friend of ours came and had never called chickens before. I think one Mm -hmm. thing we said basically was you have to have a certain mindset. You know, Mm -hmm. that's not something you look forward to. It's different in that situation when you're doing it for putting meat on your plate, for example. But in this situation, it was just a mindset. And I knew I just needed a moment need to kind of collect my thoughts because it's not something you look forward to doing. Mm -mm. But in this situation, this was to, you know, end the misery that 
he was mm-hmm. going through and just basically um, taking care of what needed to be done before the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um, the nice thing is, is knowing the correct way to do it. It was quick and pain, painless. And um, I, f- I think we both felt like it was the best decision. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I know so. It was, mm-hmm. it was the right thing to do. It didn't, it didn't take long no. afterwards. So, but um, that's one of the th- things we've mentioned this before. Homesteading is not all, it's not like the glam camping thing, you know, <laughs> there's hard moments mm-hmm. and this was one of them. But the positive is Buttercup has this spry little kid. She does. And she takes good care of him. It's good to see that. Yeah. And there have been, you know, basically daily what we've been doing is letting uh, her and Junior be on the grass on the other side of the pasture um, mm-hmm. alone. They, You know, she eats the grass. She loves that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's good to see them around and uh, closer up to the house and doing well. And that, you know, you concentrate on that. You don't concentrate on the hard, Mm. difficult decisions and so on. But it was still a tough week, right? It was. was a tough day. And as if this wasn't enough um, with Junior, what made it also additionally difficult is going, going back um, in this story, if you remember when um, Sunday, or I'm sorry, Monday, after she had kitted, I went to milk her and she had mastitis. So the doctor, the vet had said on Monday, that Monday, he said, you know, you may, he, he had told me, he says, prepare yourself because you may not be able to breed this animal ever again because the mastitis is so severe. Um, He did say that we had caught it in time. That was the positive. But, you know, he said, let's just, you know, play, you know, wait and see, but be prepared that she will always have a problem with that udder. And that was hard too, because then it, it raised the question of do we keep buttercup or do we let her go? Um, Because the whole point and purpose of us having goats on our homestead is for the purpose of milk. And if she's not going to be producing a lot of milk, then it's, you know, better for her to find another home. And where it gets tricky is emotions are involved. Mm -hmm. She is definitely, you know, one of our favorite animals here on our homestead. And we cool personality. Oh, she's got an awesome personality. Um, she's just so laid back. I've never, I've never ever seen a goat. So laid back. I mean, our other goats, Minnie is, is hyper, she's spastic and hyper. You know, Luna is the epitome of a goat. I mean, she is ornery, crazy. Did I say she's ornery? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But um, but 
Buttercup is just the complete opposite. She is just mild, easygoing, you know, does what you ask her to do. She's just a really good goat. So, um, and she doesn't, she doesn't test the fencing like the other two do. You know, one of these days, I think, I, I feel like if Minnie could get traction, she would jump over the fence, but she can't, but she would if she could, you know, and Luna wouldn't be far behind, but not Buttercup. She's just like, whatever, you know? <laughs> so she's an awesome goat. But anyway, so that became a really big question in our minds was if Buttercup can't produce milk, then what do we do with her? But I'm happy to report that as of, uh, I forgot what day it is now, as of Monday, so a week and a day after giving birth, um, the vet came back out just to do follow-up and um, tested her udders, tested her milk. And he said, you know, he goes, this is amazing. You caught it in time because, you know, she'll have some scarring, he said, for sure in that teat. And he says, he seems to think that she will still be able to produce milk in that teat. Um, despite the fact that she's got a little bit of scarring going on in there. It, that's what he's thinking is that she's definitely going to get, have some scarring, but she'll be able to produce. And I have to say, I have seen junior junior is drinking on both teats mm -hmm. and I have been able to milk that left teat as well. And it's not been a problem. So really happy about that. Cause we, that was the other part. It's like, not only was her, you know, one of her kids dying, but then, you know, it was like, is she, you know, what do we do with her at the same time? And we're like, are we going to lose her too? Cause her temperature, she, she had a really bad infection all at the same time. So <sighs> it was mm -hmm. a week. It was a week. <laughs> It but, was you know, that's why I think the title Endings and Beginnings just came to mind because, you know, it was tough to do that, to take, um, to call, you know, Spark. But at the same time, there's a beginning, there's a new life. Mm -hmm. And isn't that what it's about on the homestead? Yeah. You know, so... um look at the positive mm -hmm. and we just move forward. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. and what do we learn from it? Right. So we got through the week. We did. And we knew we would. And we worked together as a team. That was pretty cool too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was. <laughs> so yeah. So going forward um, with our goat situation, um, we are, Definitely wanting to keep Junior. Um, he is just, oh my goodness, he is the cutest thing in the world. Um, but we definitely want to keep him. Now we're going to have to be in the market for a weather, which is a castrated male. Um, and that way he can be a buddy because they are herd animals. So, you know, they don't like to be by themselves. So they like to be with the herd. Um, so he, he definitely needs a buddy, but, um, looking forward, looking forward to it. 
glad we are keeping him because he can be bred to the other two goats. So we'll just see how all of this works, but always super an adventure. exciting. Now, before we sign off, um, we do have, we posted on Instagram. If you guys had any questions for us and Oddly enough, one of the questions came through not Instagram, but through our YouTube channel. So um, if you're interested in what we look like and what our homestead looks like, um, check us out on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is The Two Acre Homestead. Um, And you really have to remember to put the the T-H-E, The Two Acre Homestead. But um, so there was somebody that asked a question um, and it was on a video that I did on making homemade cottage cheese. And the person wanted to know what I do with the rest of the liquid. Uh, So when you're making homemade cottage cheese, the way I like to do it is I like to just basically set the milk, the raw milk, on the countertop for at least about 24 hours. What's going to happen is, is it's going to get to a gelatin state and from um, a gelatinous state. And from there, you can put that on the stove and you can cook that down and that can become, it'll start turning into a like a, a product like cottage cheese. Um, it's a fermented product, but it, it's similar to it. The and what you do is you skim off some you skim off the the cheese, and the gentleman wanted to know what I do with the liquid. Well, the liquid you can do just about anything with it. You can save it. You can cook with it. You can make smoothies with it. Um, just like with cheese making, it's the same thing. Um, with the whey, you can do all of the same things that you would with whey with that particular liquid. Um, I've even been known to throw mine down the sink. Now, before anybody has a heart attack or, you know, jumps out of their socks when I say that, I sometimes I will pour the whey down the drain, and that's with intention. Well, Be- we're on septic. Right, because we're on septic. And basically, if I know this because I've looked at the box. If you buy... Uh, there's a certain brand of septic, right? Um, oh, what do you call it? It Ridex. basically Ridex, right? Mm-hmm. It, it breaks down every. You're supposed to put it in every month, and basically, it's got wheat in there that'll help break down those mm-hmm. enzymes. And enzymes, mm-hmm. yeah. And so those the enzymes from the the cheese making the whey will help break that down as well. So I really like to do that if. Um, if I'm doing it with, if I'm making cheese with rennet, mm-hmm. because then I know that it's just straight rennet and it's got all the enzymes and that can go down the drain. Sometimes I do it. I don't do it all the time, but sometimes I do. Um, a lot of times I'll give it to our animals. The dogs absolutely love it. The chickens, everybody loves it. I mean, everybody loves the way. And would you do something different if instead of using rennet when you made the cheese, you used vinegar? Right. So I, I kind of hesitate to throw the, the batches with 
um, vinegar, or actually I don't use vinegar. I will use um, lemon juice before I use vinegar. I tend to hold back on that just because I don't know if it's disrupting anything in the septic system. I would imagine it's not, but just in case I don't want to, but, and that's fine. You know, we've got animals on property that absolutely love it. Right, Chickens love it. Yeah. They, they'll, they'll drink that down. Like, you know, it's going out of style. So it works out great. Um, and the dogs will take it too. They absolutely love it. So, um, and then I, I haven't done it myself, but I've heard that you can actually use whey in your gardens. Hmm. I've not done it myself personally, so I can't speak to any personal experience, but I have heard that you can do that as well. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, um, like I said, it's a learning experience. Mm -hmm. We get to learn some things together, flex our muscles. Yep. Uh, move ahead, right? Yeah, we flexed our homesteading muscles, and there you go. And we got through another season. If we did. Right? <laughs> so we're going to take a few weeks off. Actually, this whole month mm -hmm. of August. We'll be back in the month of September. Yep, September 1st, yep. actually. So yeah. from all of us here, to all of you out there. Happy homesteading. And stay safe out there. We'll see you September 1st.